Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Virtual GM Podcast brought to you by Vibrant Management. We're your hosts, Spencer Halford and Cody Aiden, here to empower hotel owners and GMs with the latest strategies, tips, and insights from the hospitality industry. Whether you're running a hotel, a boutique hotel, or an independent property, our podcast is designed to help you elevate your game and revolutionize your property. Remember, for more resources and information, visit our website, www.thevibrantteam.com. Now let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Virtual GM Podcast. Today, we have Peter Rickey. He is the Director of Hospitality and Tourism at Florida Atlantic University in Boca Raton, Florida, and he has like 40 years of hospitality experience. He's got 18,000 followers on LinkedIn, so many incredible nuggets. You're going to absolutely love the episode. Make sure you like and subscribe and enjoy the episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Virtual GM Podcast. It's Spencer and Cody. And today we're really excited. We have Dr. Peter Rickey, who is the Director of Hospitality and Tourism Management at Florida Atlantic University joining us. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Rickey. You're most welcome. Thanks for the invite. You bet. We're excited to have you here. So a quick intro for Dr. Rickey. He is the Director of Hospitality and Tourism Management Program at FAU. The program is a top 30 nationally recognized program. He has published more than 25 industry and academic articles. He also maintains hospitality industry certifications across various areas, marketing, sales, analytics, and hotel management. Peter is a distinguished alumnus of the University of Florida, where he pursued both a bachelor and master's degree. Uh, Go Gators. He later completed his doctorate at the University of Central Florida in Orlando, His proudest accomplishments was the creation in his honor of the Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association International's Dr. Peter Rickey Scholarship. This fund provides annual financial awards to top performing students studying hospitality sales, marketing, and revenue optimization across South Florida colleges and universities. That is amazing. You've got a scholarship program. Wow. So cool. You've got a scholarship program. I've never even been to school. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now you can go because you'll get some funds. You know what? Shout out to Dr. Ricky, actually. Uh, In the spring, uh, we connected on LinkedIn LinkedIn and had a little bit of a back and forth. (laughs) And he offered me the FAU Hospitality Management Certificate online. There you go. Yeah. So I'm really excited to do that this coming semester. That's great. Yeah, really cool. I would. Do you have anything where like I just get the paper without doing anything? That's what I've been kind of looking for. <laughs> no, those. no, that's a taboo in our world. <laughs> Shoot, <laughs> no <laughs> shortcuts. I think lots of people have gotten like honorary degrees, yeah. right? Oh yes, that's oh, what yes. I'm. That's really what I'm looking for. Okay, well there we go. <laughs> okay, so if you follow the podcast, you know we kick it off with a segue. So we'll let Cody get us started with a segue, and then we'll go around the horn. Okay, so uh, personal last week, uh, Andy Grammer. He's an awesome musician. If you haven't listened to him, go check him out. Peter, he's incredible. Uh, he came to St. George and he was at Tuacon, which we just have this most incredible outdoor amphitheater here in southern Utah. And they're really growing a lot. Like to have someone of his quality come perform there was so cool. Uh, and we took both of our kids, uh, my son Cash, who's seven, and my daughter Liv, who's 10. And it was their first live concert. And my son loves Andy Grammer. Like he sings the songs in the car. Like he knows the words. He loves it. And so to like have that experience with them and, and just see how much they were enjoying it was su- such a cool and like um, surprisingly emotional experience. It was really awesome. And then oh, that's awesome. I love Andy Grammer. That's so yeah, cool. he was he was so good. And I wasn't actually going to go originally. My wife was going to go with one of her friends and she ended up getting sick. And so she's like, well, there's two other tickets. You want to take the kids? 
and the Nuggets were playing the Bulls, so I really didn't want to go, to be honest. <laughs> but I knew, like, oh, I, I gotta, I can't skip out on this family moment, so I did, and it was so good. Andy was an incredible performer. I, I love his music. He was, he was great. He's so, very good. So glad I went. It was awesome. And then for work, uh, there is an annual golf tournament here in Southern Utah put on by the university called the Utah Tech Classic. I think they're this is probably like thirty the thirty third year of it, so they've been going on for a long time. And Vibrant's been a long standing sponsor of of the program, and uh, so we get to go and play in a two day scramble. And they just do such an incredible job putting it on. And we got the opportunity to do that and shot eleven under on Friday and twelve under on Saturday. So we had a great weekend. Yeah, that was a really fun weekend. Uh, I'll kick off. Business was for sure that loved playing in the Utah Tech Classic. Shout out to Utah Tech for making that happen. Shout out Lance Brown. Lance Brown and Sean Cannell. Yep. And then um, on uh, personal, uh, just went to Vegas and stayed at a, a really cool Hampton. Uh, my girlfriend and I went down there for an event uh, and really had – maybe I'll talk about some of that during the podcast too. But stayed at Resorts World. Always loved that – or sorry, did not stay at Resorts World. Winter Resorts World. Winter Resorts World. Had an awesome time at Resorts World like always. Snuck into the LXR lobby. Had some great drinks there. Uh, and really had a great time. So, uh, uh, awesome rejuvenating weekend. Although Vegas does wipe you out. Yeah. It is exhausting. What, how much does the drinks cost LXR? Don't worry about it. What are they running? Uh, well, I naturally made great friends with the bartender. And so, uh, you know, I love a good McAllen. Yeah. And so I was naturally eyeing the McAllen's on the top shelf. So I got a McAllen rare cask, uh, and, uh, a whistle pig boss hog 10 year. Oh, okay. Uh, which is one of my favorites. It's a, it's a hard drink. It tastes a little like gasoline, uh, sip number one. And then after that, but not from Pete from smoke in the barrel. Oh, okay. Uh, so it's, it's really enjoyable. I think you like it. The first taste is terrible because it like, <laughs> it almost like numbs your mouth. You sold me. It's very weird. But, the, but every taste after that, good pure magic the first time i ever went to the lxr lobby uh we were doing chuck wagon's branding oh yeah and i had had a little too much fun and jocelyn and i had like gotten lost and like this one was virtual is brand new yeah and stumbled into this beautiful lobby bar oh it's amazing it's the nicest bar i've ever yeah this is incredible like we got to get a drink and uh the bartender actually wouldn't let me get one (laughs) what (laughs) yeah why rightfully so he was doing me a solid i i had too much fun previously yeah uh... yeah (laughs) He saw what was stumbling. In. Yeah, he was like, "No, nah, I think you're good, buddy." And I was like, Sorry. "Okay, you're probably right." Yeah, good idea. All right, Peter, what about you? What's your segue? Oh my goodness, that's so hard to follow. You shouldn't follow Vegas. Anyway. Yeah, that's tough. So, uh, and then you know, McAllen. I'm not a bourbon or a whiskey guy, but I I like that one, so I know it's good. It's a good one, right? Uh, I don't know. This last week was the 11th annual scholarship, so I'm. Um, that's got me still pumped up. We had three award winners. And when you just hear the stories of these young people trying to fight their way and get a degree or get a certificate and give them some funding just always makes my day. And then, uh, so that's kind of personal and business and then business separate. I'm super excited to see that spring enrollments for hospitality are looking very strong compared to fall and fall looks strong compared to last year. So I'm hopeful for the industry. That's, that's my, my business one. I love it. I love the optimism about the industry too, because we, I had mentioned to you in my LinkedIn message, um, we just had, uh, Dr. AJ Templeton on our podcast. Shout out to AJ. Also from Florida. Yep. Uh, go AJ. Yep. Go AJ and, uh, go owls. Uh, we, uh, we just had her on the podcast a couple weeks ago and, uh, was also optimistic about the 
future of the industry. But we mentioned the hospitality show, how we learned that hospitality is hiring at about four times the rate that it used to. I think that was the number, right? Yeah, it was like that. It was the fastest hiring agency of all different industries in the United States, but it still had the most open Open positions positions to fill. So even though we're hiring the fastest, we had the most positions to fill. Yeah. Yeah, Incredible. So, uh, Peter, I'm really, or excuse me, Dr. Ricky. No, please call me Peter. All right. I like that. Uh, Peter, uh, I'm really curious. You, I read it in your intro and you just alluded to it. I'm really fascinated by your scholarship program. Can you talk a little bit more about that? And then I'd also just love more about your history and hospitality too. Sure. Um, you know, I got a scholarship as a kid to go to University of Florida and I grew up in a family that kind of didn't have much money. So I've always recognized the value of helping people all along the way. So I've been involved with Hospitality Sales and Marketing Association International for a long time. And my first, I guess my first real job in a hotel was director of sales. So I always go back to the sales revenue and the marketing roots. And the South Florida chapter was led by this very vibrant uh, woman, Carmen Ackerman, and she decided to create a scholarship. And I was just so gracious. So now it's 11 years in. We don't raise a ton of money, but we have a silent auction every year, and we try to get students from any college or two-year program or technical school across Southwest and Southeast Florida. So Naples, Fort Myers, West Palm, Miami-Dade, Broward, we just try to help some students. And every year, their stories are different. Every year, um, their goals are different. And it's really exciting for me this year because One of the winners is a graduate student at FAU who is doing a Master of Science in Data Analytics, which is a new degree for us. And she spent time working at Tambourine, which is a hospitality marketing website. We know those guys. Shout out to Nick, who we met at Tambourine and is no longer at Tambourine, but shout out to Nick. Oh, that's so great. So, um, you know, to have her interested in hospitality and pursuing analytics, which is kind of one of the big future streams of talent that we needed that kind of was very rewarding to me um and you know she's ironically my graduate assistant and what what confounds me is that young people don't realize there's a lot of money out there to find you just have to apply for it so i said ariana have you applied for any scholarships no she applied boom she was like the top one in their pool so that was just a super all the way around feeling for me. And that's why I love the scholarships. That's awesome. So did you, you said you went to school in Gainesville, but did you grow up in Gainesville or where did you grow up? I moved to South Florida when I was 12 from New York. And so I'm a Floridian. I, uh, in, in my mind and my daily activity, I think I've been back to New York twice the whole time. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah, I love real Florida. Floridian. Yeah. And, um, I went, you know, I went to Gainesville for college, but when I wound up in the hotel business, my job was kind of opening new hotels or fixing ones that were having issues. So I don't really like to fly too much. So my territory became Atlanta, the panhandle of Florida the whole state of Florida. And then I spent a little bit of time in Alabama and the Gulf coast. So I've lived in Gainesville, Tallahassee, Jacksonville, Orlando, Sarasota, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. So Florida is my place. That's awesome. Wow. It's amazing how small the hospitality world is. Cause 
I actually, I don't even know the whole backstory of how you ended up on the podcast, Peter, outside of like LinkedIn, <laughs> but then come to find out that you're familiar with uh, Cornelia, the owner of the Sweetwater branch there in, in Gainesville, which is a property of ours. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, your experience with Sweetwater, since that's the property people have been familiar hearing us talk about. It, it's, yeah, this, the world is very small. So, and I tell the students, don't burn bridges because if you don't like your GM today and you go across the street, then the GM's going to get promoted across yeah, the street. So. Totally. Yeah. So, well that's a but, great you know, point yeah so Gainesville um Cornelia just runs this amazing bed and breakfast catering facility and it's really like a, a rather beautiful quaint property so the grounds are gorgeous the service is great and the atmosphere is just so unique and she started it years back I think her family um was in the travel agency business. I don't know if they owned the property before her, but she started it as a, a labor of love. And this has got to be 20 years or plus. Yeah, they, they celebrated 30. Games. Yeah, they celebrated 30 really? last year. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. And I lived in Gainesville in the 80s um, and the 90s, and then again in the early 2000s. So Sweetwater Branch, just the reputation never stops. It's always great. I've been to at least 10 or 15 weddings there. And uh, she manages it just with the human touch of hospitality. And you know, it's a labor of love to have a small number of rooms and then a large catering facility because you've got all the operational challenges on both ends, but they come out like beautifully all the time. So go Cornelia. I haven't seen her in years. I haven't talked to her, but if you run into her, you have to send her my love. Oh yeah. I'll send her this episode. We'll take a selfie at the end of this yeah. and we can text nice. it to her. Yeah. We really love Cornelia and you're totally right. One thing that we have always like hung our hat on is the cliff rose and mm. exactly what you said, the grounds, the lodging, the space, it's beautiful. And I'll never it's forget. It's very unique. I agree. Yeah. I'll never forget when we got to Gainesville for the first time as a team and we set foot on the grounds in Sweetwater. Yep. And we were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. It's beautiful. We found the cliff rose of the Southern United States. We did. Yeah. We were all walking around <laughs> on our phones. We couldn't like... believe it. Yeah. Ju- and truly for fun because we do a little bit of social media management for them and we run their ads, but we just wanted pictures with the property, right? I mean, it was so beautiful. Um, How she, interesting. She's done a good job. Cornelia has really created an awesome case study on a thriving brand in independent yeah. hospitality Yep. With, without the, the love of a, a large flag carrying the way. She's yeah. done an, an amazing job. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and definitely before it was in, in fashion, like now it's in fashion again to be boutique and independent and curated experience. And she was doing that all along the way. Um, and it, it's fascinating. Like I had no idea that you worked with them in that sense. And my organic, opinion has always been phenomenal of them i um my hardest thing is getting people to have a gainesville be their destination wedding <laughs> you know yeah, for, yeah. for anybody that lives and works in that city and you've got thousands of students every year who come back because they want to get married there because they met in that town or they want to have a retirement there there you know so many university affiliated roles there in terms of professors and staff and researchers and and all that. So people are familiar with that venue from multiple angles. They either go to a business meeting, they go to a social function, they've had an event of their lifetime there. Um, and it's a rare place that I have never heard a negative on. 
And I can say that because, you know, I'm not representing her, but I can tell in her face, I've never had a negative mention ever of that facility. That's incredible. That really is incredible. So what is the story of how you guys connected? So Spencer, you said like in LinkedIn a while ago, but what is the backstory to how this podcast came to life? Peter. Oh, he was the, he was the big uh, 30 under 30 star. So every time I see a 30 under 30 person, I think, I don't know if the both of you were there, but I, I always reach out because I'm, you know, personally so entrenched in this industry that I'm all about people enjoying it. Like I have my whole career. So whenever I see younger people winning an award of any sort for something hospitality, I try to reach out. That's so it's cool. Just my thing. Yeah, yeah he, just my thing. He sent me a really nice message that was just saying, congratulations on the win. We're glad that people like you are trying to drive the industry, things like that, and um, complimented the podcast. And I was like, oh, and then he offered the certificate program, which oh, was yeah. super cool. I was really <clears throat> excited about that. And then I was like, man, you should be on the podcast. Like I saw the following and there was one post that you had that was like, it was like 10 hours ago or something like that. Not today, but from when you messaged and that post had like 800 likes. And I was like, <laughs> oh damn, I think like someone really big in hospitality just messaged me. That's great. Probably to have him on the podcast. So yeah. It just, just startles me and humbles me because, you know, like I said before we were recording, I, I just, I didn't even have a social media account, but you know, like the COVID just. We've had challenge in this in this business my whole life. I mean, I started as a dishwasher when I was 14. So there's been no part of my life that I haven't worked in hospitality. And we've had, you know, inflation and we've had SARS and Zika and we've had 9-11 and we've had all that stuff. But nothing like COVID really shocked our system. And then it automatically taught everybody in a way how to use Teams and Zoom and Google Meet and to take advantage of podcasts and listen and People are like, oh, I want to I want to work remote. I want to do this. I want to do that. So my goal now is to just keep people realizing how wonderful it is to work in hospitality with the spirit of hospitality. Yes, we're going to change. Yes, we still need a lot of workers. But those who get in it and love it for the right reasons, they probably can't leave. They'll try to some point during their life and they'll wind up right back. So um, that's become our mission. Like we offered this certificate uh, for free during COVID and I was very lucky to work Oh my gosh, that's right. I signed up yeah. for it. I remember Did seeing you really? that. <clears throat> yep, yeah. now, that, now that you say that, I remember it because UTIA, which is the Utah Tourism Industry Association, they, uh, I think it was through AHLA that they spread the message that you guys were offering that for free during that time. I remember that now. That is so awesome. And that's how I've gotten to meet all these great people like Chip Rogers, who runs AHLA. Yeah, they, I just went to the administration at FAU. I said, I'd like to do the certificate we've always done in person. And instead of for profit, can we just run a mini one to keep people engaged? Because, you know, everybody thought we'd be in that for a month or two. And yeah. then it wound up being a year or two. So now what we do is build a lot of content. And we update it every two years. And I invite all different people to the table on all different topics. So the faculty will teach topics that are relevant during that two-year time or that are starting to become of interest in the industry. And then our guest speakers will talk on different topics during that time. So right now we're building the 24-25 version. And we run it for a couple of years and we charge a little bit now to break even. It's like 199 bucks. But I, 
I constantly go back to learning myself. You know, I've done certifications everywhere to the point where my students make fun. They said it looks like a cat ran over my keyboard. (laughs) (laughs) So I just want want to see what they're learning, you know? How did you get into education? So you talked about how you've been in hospitality forever. At what point did you make the transition to education and what motivated you to do that? Hey guys, thanks for sticking with us on this episode of the Virtual GM Podcast. We're passionate about sharing our latest strategies and trends to help you make your hotel the best it can be. For more resources and to stay connected with our Vibrant community, don't forget to visit us at thevibrantteam.com. Before we continue with the second half of this episode, here's a quick action you can take to transform your property. Book a free consultation with us at www.thevibrantteam.com and on our homepage, there is a book consult button. Click that, schedule a time to chat with me, and let's learn how we can elevate your hotel together. Stay tuned for more insightful discussions in the second half of our episode. Well, I did. I, I, my goal was to go to law school because um, I didn't know any other pathway to, to thinking that I'd have a good or decent income. So I worked restaurants all through high school and college, and then I worked at a travel agency, whatever. I got accepted to law school. I went for maybe six weeks and absolutely hated it. Wow. So I was so lost that I just went back to Gainesville. I had a roommate during college who did her bachelor's in recreation, parks, and tourism. And I had taken one tourism class. And I, of course, I had worked in it all since high school, so I knew I liked it. And because I wasn't going to go to law school, I said, well, I might as well do my master's because I don't know what to do with my life right now. So I wound up doing my master's in recreation, parks and tourism, and then working through master's again, hotels, convention bureau in Gainesville, which had like two employees at that time. And because I had my master's, when I got out into the workplace, I could teach part time. So I started teaching part time along with my day job. From the time I was 23 forward and um, did that forever. Never thought about getting a doctorate. And then I kind of got convinced to do my doctorate in 2000 when I was managing a hotel in Orlando. There was a uh, great philanthropic gentleman, uh, Harris Rosen, you probably know his name, owns thousands of rooms in Orlando. And he donated millions of dollars to UCF. And the dean said, why don't you take the plunge and do your doctorate and teach for us at the same time? And so I took the plunge. I did my doctorate. Then I went back to hotels for a couple of years. Um, And then around, I guess, around 42 years old, I came to FAU to be closer to my family. And I've been here ever since, 16 years. So it's weird, you know, but I don't consider myself an academic at all. I still go to hotels every week. Um, I'm, I've got hotel clients. I do training in restaurants. I try to help the country close. I, I'm just not an academic. I'm more of a GM than anything else. That's just my nature. I'm, I'm surprised that you consider yourself that, but I also can respect it because I think your background in hospitality being so di- like deep and having so much knowledge, you'd certainly consider yourself a GM. Um, I'm really curious just about like, you mentioned that very first job you had when you were uh, in school and that got you into tourism, what was that job and what did you learn from it? My, um, you know, I, I, I think for me, the mentor that I had that really instilled in me hospitality was all through high school. I worked fine dining 
I was a dishwasher, then a busser. Then at that point in time, there were four people on teams for the dining. There was a back of house server, front of house server, captain and busser. So I got like promoted to be on a team where I could wear a tux. And, and the owner was just all about taking care of people. And if you didn't want to do that, you could go find a job somewhere else. And it just clicked with me that I had so much fun, like solving problems through people, making their experience great. So later on in college, I did catering and banquets, the same thing. I worked at the CVB, the same thing. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me that I probably should never have pursued being a lawyer. My goal was to become a hospitality lawyer. At least I kind of understood that I liked the business, but I didn't think you could really have a career in anything else. One one of the things we don't do well in this industry is paint a career picture. Um, and And everybody told me along the way, oh, you're so lucky you didn't work in a hotel. They work so many hours. You got a job at a convention bureau. You never suffered like us. And I took that as a challenge and went to work in hotels. And hotels were my favorite. I was going to ask, out of all the roles you've had in hospitality, besides the one you're in now, what was your favorite? Yeah, my favorite. I mean, there's a, there's a certain thing about being an administrator in the college program that's very similar to being a regional. My favorite job was opening hotels and fixing broken ones. So I kind of had the Southeast. The love was the challenge of turning around a hotel that had ABC issues and building a culture or opening a new one and building the culture from the start so that it became award-winning, like right out of the gate. And I I had pleasant experiences of those with both. Um, I lived on property and I'm a workaholic by nature. So I never lost my work ethic and it was always constant, constant improvement. You know, yeah, we got 96% on guest service. All right, applaud, be happy, but not satisfied. Now let's do 97%. Okay, we're super happy, but we're not satisfied. That's kind of my my MO is, is improve, improve, improve. But hotels, for sure, my favorite because they include events. They include food and beverage and catering. They include a family feeling. And it's just, to me, one of the best pieces of hospitality because you're opening your doors to friends and family from all over the world. So it's like managing a big house. Yeah, there's something special about hospitality. And and like for me, I know I love to travel. And so it's like I love to even just go see all new different properties and how they do it and yeah. what you can incorporate into what we're doing. And um, there's just something special about the industry. I think that's why when you go to hospitality events or shows or expos, what, whatever have you, it's always a different experience because the people are all hospitable. Totally. Yes. Right? Yes. And so, so it is a different industry in that way. And, you know, the future is is uh, we're in a challenging crossroads. We do have a younger generation that wants quick access to higher pay. Um, they don't necessarily want to work the long hours that I grew up in, and I completely get it and understand it. At the same time, we want our hotels to thrive and be successful, and we're going to need people-to-people employees we can't move everything to AI or technology. It's not possible. And so um, you mentioned earlier that, you know, we're hiring four times faster than others because 
we're attracting a new type of worker to hospitality and tourism who may not have thought of it before, but they're coming now because we're paying better than pre-COVID. The goal now is to make sure we're screening them right so we get the ones who'll stay and they'll be with us for the next crises or decade or whatever happens in 15 years from now. That's been my challenge is finding the right ones who want to do it for the right reasons. And, you know, if you look at the past 24 months, labor costs are up 20 to 35 percent. Cost of goods is up 15 to 20 percent. So managing a hotel right now is super challenging and you have to be super creative to make all the all the money tied together for the owners. It, it's just a challenging time. But I love challenges. So I think it's a fun time. That's a good fit for you. What are the biggest obstacles your graduates are facing? When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. You know, most of my graduates that pursue hospitality, they 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 face distinct challenges that are similar but different to anyone from 50 years ago. Cost of housing is probably the most common problem they're having. Um, and work-life balance. Many, many people have seen and lived with their parents or aunts or uncles or neighbors who all worked home during the pandemic. And so many of them think they can automatically work from home. And that means you don't work a full-time job, that you have time in between for Netflix, or you have time to run over to the grocery store, whatever one you guys have in Utah. So their challenge is really figuring out who they are, and I don't find that any different from the 90s or the 80s. So we're all still trying to figure out who we are. They don't have a problem finding jobs. And prior to 2020, I would say one of the problems was our pay rate. I don't think we pay poorly anymore at all. And I fight hard to get rid of that misconception among younger workers. Um, if anything, there's faster pathways to the top right now. So challenges are paying rent. It's in so many urban areas of this country. Um, you know, I could live with another busser in high school and actually pay my rent and go out one night a week or two nights a week if I wanted to and have a car and pay car insurance and all. Right now, it's difficult unless you have a roommate or two or you're still living at home, at least here in South Florida. It's become super difficult, even with our new wages. So that's yeah. a that's a biggie that I hear. So um, really, it's just, <clears throat> it's life the same as it would be. Not That's not hospitality specific. It's just that's, correct, that's correct. That, that age group is facing so many challenges. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing that I'm really curious about, too, I've worked in academia, uh, specifically ed tech for a while. And one thing that I noticed is academia's um, struggle to bridge the gap between knowledge and uh, 
practical resources. So in the industry I was working in academia, it was about four or five years behind what the workforce standard was. Um, is that true in hospitality or, um, and if it is, what is FAU doing to bridge that gap? Yeah, it's true in pretty much any field that you have the theory from the book and then the real life. And yeah. one thing that I did purposefully when I built this program is um, faculty members have to have real life work experience. I and love so that. do the students. So our faculty as a combined, I want to say, I might be wrong here, but two or 250 years of wow. hospitality industry That's experience. Awesome. And how many and are then, part of the FAU? There's, there's nine of us. So it's it's wow. not shocking, awesome. but it's a lot. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, we have really strong researchers who can go out and publish in top journals and do what is necessary to stimulate thinking for future parts of the industry to improve, mm -hmm. whether it's AI, whether it's uh, full-time equivalent staffing models, whatever it is. But our students, they have to work a thousand hours minimum, which is the equivalent of, of six months full-time. Yeah. Most of them graduate with two or 3,000 hours because of our location cool. in South Florida. They've all worked. They're bartenders, valet parking, front desk agent, a concierge at Expedia, working for a casino, a cruise line. And so I'll put our graduates out with anyone's yeah. um, because South Florida is very demanding from the clients. And if you can do it here and you enjoy it. <laughs> you can do it anywhere. You, you can do it anywhere. That is, Absolutely. That's one question I actually had for you is is now we have this new technology that's been let out of the cage with artificial intelligence. And when Cody and I travel uh, specifically for this podcast, we get asked to speak about artificial intelligence a lot. So I guess I'm I'm curious with that segue, what is FAU doing to leverage the instruction of artificial intelligence or technologies alike to prepare prepare students for a hospitality workspace? If you um, if you were to ask 50 different faculty members at FAU, you'd probably get 25 different iterations of where we are right now. Yeah. Um, one of my faculty members in particular stands out to me because she has embraced AI. We all know it's here. Now we want to teach them how to use it correctly yeah. and, and efficiently and for right. the right reasons. So she yep. incorporates projects. I had a project last semester where they – excuse me, they had short essay questions on their job in hospitality if they had one or their current jobs if it wasn't hospitality. They had to have um, a response from ChatGPT, a response of their own, and then a combined response using the best pieces of both. So like instead cool. of them cheating with ChatGPT, they were writing me, oh, this is great. I'm finally using it in class. And for a legit yeah. reason, they won't come out and say they cheat, but they'll, they'll say, yeah. oh, it's <laughs> But it's still reason. like so, it gives them reason to use their own brain and write something and then use ChatGPT as a vehicle to create an answer that maybe they're happier with. Or it also lets them know that their cognitive reasoning is perhaps more advanced when it comes to the job than an artificial intelligence would be. Absolutely. Well, we, cool. we did a presentation last week to the Global Business Travel Association, GBTA, here in South Florida, and I brought some faculty with me, and we had a discussion. Many of them are using AI to write their job descriptions, but then they layer in the human people from HR to give it the depth or the nuances or whatever they need for their specific properties or their you know airline or the restaurant, whatever it is. So 
we're educating students. I have had I've had some who've gone out in the workplace and they thought they could chat GPT or Google everything in life and then learn quickly from these assignments that the 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 writing is very artificial itself. Yeah. So you have to liven it up and tweak it and make it more vibrant. But remember, we're talking to a generation of 15 to 25 years old that they 25 year olds they've grown up googling every answer pretty much they can or asking Siri. So yeah. <laughs> we know they're not going to steer away from technology. We want them to learn how to use technology to the best possible extent they can. Yeah, I saw I went to a uh like a breakout on AI and the guy leading it said uh, AI is not going to replace your job, but people who know how to use AI yeah, will replace your job. Totally, Correct. you know the technology itself. And you, won't and you do know, it. if you look at the spectrum of faculty members, there are still those around the country who are complaining: "Get rid of it! Get rid of it! We don't want it! Ban it!" And that's that's just so extremely short sighted. It's yeah. it's almost illogical and irrational. Um, here in the state university system of Florida, we have a current ban on TikTok use. But the students will actively use TikTok for most everything they do off campus. So there's a disconnect between banning certain things if yeah. a certain group doesn't like them or incorporating them where we think they're going to become universal. So I try to incorporate AI, and by no means am I an AI expert at all, but I've used it to the extent where, okay, I can lead them on a discussion of how to make yeah. this work for but themselves. And to be honest... I'd like them to use it so they create better papers. I don't want them to do it where they don't work to create a paper or an essay sure. answer, but eye-opening that they can use it in their workplace later if they learn how to use it correctly, whatever whatever the system is, you know? And I think that your discussion about how TikTok is banned on campus or in the state universities is just another nod to the discussion we've been having, which is the disconnect between real-life workplace and academia, right? And so I, one thing that I, it, just even on that note, that I have found fascinating because I've been in hospitality for such a short time, but having been in it for such a short time allows me to give an honest opinion, which is that hospitality also moves really slow. And yeah. aside from like big brands like Hilton, Marriott, IHG, things like that, there are very few uh, management companies, even independent properties that have fully embraced the power of digital advertising, I'll be that posting on TikTok, Instagram reels, YouTube shorts. You'd be shocked the information that we give out for free on this podcast that people are like, holy smokes, I never thought of that before. Well, even still like using archaic PMSs because that's just the one to they used before, totally. you know? Right? Oh, that's, that's so prevalent in hospitality. It all right. goes back to um, – we're more of a reactive business. We've been super heavy on labor costs, yeah. and we've always been, uh, f what do they call it, dragging your feet in the sand or whatever on technology. Um, I can't tell you how many properties actively need an IT manager who do not employ one. That's just for software maintenance, hardware security, data breaches, et cetera. I mean, just look at MGM this year. They're major companies. So it's nice for you to give the nod to Hilton and Marriott and all, but I have plenty of alumni working for those firms that 
say they're super stodgy when it comes to oh, technology. Yeah. So we still have a long way to go. Oh yeah. Like they're, um, they're, right. You know, I mean, we're by no means are we even close to you, a tech you should company tell them about the Wi-Fi. friendly company. Oh yeah. We, right? at, uh, yeah. at uh, the Cliff Rose, when we converted to Hilton, we had to have like these Wi-Fi standards. And so we had, to, we ended up spending like $120,000 to improve our Wi-Fi, only for it to be infinitely worse. Because like it wasn't about like what's the best solution. It's like well this is the way we do it. And it's like well what if the way you did it is wrong? Because before I could stream Netflix in the river, and now I can't download a JPEG. So it's like (laughs) you know what I mean. There's those 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 pieces that don't make sense. Or I tell the story and my wife and I went to Columbus. We checked in. There's a beautiful new Hilton downtown, and we're checking in. And the guy wasn't sure how to like do something in our room, and he had a huge binder next to him of like his check in. Procedures, SOPs. Right. And it's like, man, there's so much technology out there. Like you should be able to on your first day just intuitively be like, oh, your name's Cody and you're checking in today, checking out on this day. Here's your room. Like it shouldn't be. It shouldn't take a binder to explain how to check someone into a room. But because they're so big and they're and they've got so many properties, they don't they don't have the opportunity to be nimble in the way that they move. Yeah. And we're starting to see PMSs be better at this. But it's like you should be able to walk on behind a front desk and check someone in without having to know anything about the property or the PMS. Look at look how easy it is to do so many things in our world. Totally. There's no reason that the front desk should yeah. be any different. We, we have a fleet of uh, stay-at-home moms that manage WebRes Pro off their cell phone. Yep. We had uh, Richard Aday from Think Reservations come on the podcast and dropped one of the best lines this podcast has had, which is that his uh, his PMS can be trained. You can fully train a new front desk agent in under an hour with, wow. his, with his PMS. And that's how it should be. Which is exactly how it should be. And so I love that there's thought leaders and innovators out there that are doing that. Um, I guess I'm curious where that, that transitions from academia to real life, but I completely see where you're saying. If you ask all these 50 different people, you're going to get 50 different answers, what that looks like, right? So yeah. I'm really glad you to know, hear that that's changing. You know something for both of you that you'll find interesting? Hospitality's always been one of the disciplines that was more reality-based than textbook-based. We're not chemistry. We're not, you know, calculus. We we have people who've done there, been there, done that, teach culinarians, but we still have a textbook. And in general, your day at work is never going to match that textbook. So we just give you like a balance of here's the perfect world. Yes, you have three cents on the dollar that goes into reserves. You do this, you do that. So we try to teach as best as we can. But these cutting edge technologies, um, you will have to connect me with this gentleman you just mentioned in the PMS that I could train. That is a huge selling point to somebody wanting to, to change their PMS or go into this business. And you know, I don't know what conversation you had with AJ, but I want to see your I want to hear your podcast because up? this hiring craziness that we're experiencing is also because we don't have good onboarding and training. So yeah, totally to true. Cody's point, this young person is at the desk in their first week or two of the job. They're stumbling. They're not getting trained. There's no help. Uh, I'm going to just abandon this and go outside of hospitality. I didn't get any help there. I couldn't learn. Nobody cared about me. That's a that's a problem we've always had in this business. We don't spend enough time onboarding and training. Well, come up with a system that I can train you in an hour, and then all of a sudden we have more time. Right. So as technology meets our needs, and we're slow to adapt, just slow, slow, slow. I think there must be something in the water because both you and AJ – 
we know AJ really well, but you obviously exhibit uh, a pattern of having a really good standing relationship with your students, wanting to invest in their future. Um, she came on and, and actually teared up speaking about one specific student that ended up working with us just in an internship uh, role and then ended up moving part-time and then full-time and now has started his own media company because of the way he got started in hospitality. And so huge shout out to you guys just as uh, people in the academic world that are taking our future leaders and setting them up for success. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I have my own job email list. It has We have about 1,600 employers who post jobs with us every week. We do it all for free. My goal is to just get people in. Um, you know, I reach out to them. How's your job? What skills do you need? That's what we did last week at Global Business Travel Association. The whole event was 50 business leaders with us telling us what they thought we should teach and us telling them what we currently teach and then trying to meet in the middle. That's brilliant. What's, I love what's to hear always that. shocking to me is that at the end of any of these curriculum redesigns, I'm all about curriculum constantly being updated to match what the, the, the students need and the employers need and meeting in the middle. At the end, it's always soft skills. It's etiquette, time management, dress, uh, how to, how to write proper emails and communicate with your clients. Um, just, it just, it's so funny how it often come back, comes back to the simple basics, you know, and that's not, that's not a college curriculum, but we have to teach it. <laughs> totally. So it's interesting. It is. Well, we're um, coming up on the end of the podcast. I know we always like to ask where has been your favorite travel location recently and why? Uh, recently, because I've been so busy lately, was just a trip over to Nassau, which was very short and to the sweet. Bahamas, sweet. But the why was because I felt the island hospitality at the Atlantis. And I just had one of those days where every encounter with an associate or team member was outstanding. And I've been there many times and I've been to Nassau many times, but for some reason, all the DNA characteristics and the and the karma and everything was just in line that day. So the Atlantis gets a shout out. In, in I'd love Bahamas. to go to that property. It looks amazing. In fact, we're supposed to be originally we would have been in the Bahamas today, <laughs> yeah, we'd right? Be in the Bahamas today. Yeah. Yep. Very nice. Darn it. We missed it. <laughs> missed well, out. You guys are awesome. Anybody can look for me on LinkedIn. Come join the certificate. We have lots of donors. We give everybody a scholarship. Anybody and everybody, we have scholarship to help offset the cost because my whole lifetime thing now is getting people lifelong learning and getting them involved in hospitality. I do want to ask takes. before we leave for the listeners. So Peter here has got like 18,000 followers on LinkedIn. So <laughs> what are your tips and how to make an impact in that space? Because that's no small feat, especially for someone who didn't have a social media presence at all or a background in that. How, what are the, the principles you've used to create such a following? I just reach out to people that I see doing great things every week. Um, and I offer that we post jobs for free and that I love the business. And if you want to chat about any topic, let's talk. And I do everything organically. I see so many people doing it really fake. My totally. goal isn't really to build followers. It's just kind of happening over time. And I just say, be your be your genuine self. Like what we do for the world through FAU, of course, we're a state university. We need students. We want enrollments. But that's not my goal at all. My goal at all is to help hospitality be 
the 40 year career for somebody that's just now turning, you know, 15 years old and getting their first job. I was, I was at a restaurant today. I'll leave you with this. While I was sitting there, the phone rang, the lady answered, said, Oh, just come in after 3 PM, bring your resume. Yeah. We're always hiring. Oh no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That won't work, but thank you. And afterward I said, don't do you, do you need staff? You were telling me you need staff. She said, Oh yeah, she was 15. So I think it's very short-sighted not to get teenagers involved in our industry. If they show the work ethic, I started at 14. Yes, you got to balance their school, their their soccer, their this, their that. But yeah, why not totally. start them in the work ethic? This young lady had a resume. She was ready to work. I would have never turned her Well, and she called. Like, so she's obviously putting in the work. She's motivated. Yep. And I think that's yep. great. And that's a great message, too, about what you said about LinkedIn, about being genuine. Because I know for me, most of my connections are, Spencer Halford wants to connect with you. And then it's like, okay. And then Spencer Halford says, hey, I have got... I can give you 15 leads, you yeah, know, right. <laughs> it's like yeah. uh, ignore. So inauthentic. Yeah. yeah. That's just good life advice too. Yeah. Be, be yourself. March your own drum. I, I love think, it. I think that's the best advice. Um, we will put all, everything in the show notes. Everyone, that was Dr. Peter Ricky from Florida Atlantic University. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Check out his certificate program. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, check out uh, his LinkedIn. I'll also put that on there. You can tell you're serious about hospitality when you include the word hospitality in your LinkedIn URL. I mean, it's, <laughs> it is linkedin.com forward slash Peter Ricky hospitality. You can check my him, man, my man. You can check him out there. That concludes today's episode of the virtual GM podcast. Please like subscribe. If you have any questions, shoot me an email, Spencer at the vibrant team.com or shoot me a message on LinkedIn. I'd love to chat about your property or potential opportunities. Enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks for listening. Boom. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thanks, man. You did great. That was, that was excellent. Thank Make sure you. you. Send me the link so I can share with all the people. Oh, you bet we will. will. Don't you worry <laughs> um, about that. What's the guy's name with the PMS company? His name's Richard Aday, A D A Y, and he owns and has built Think Reservations. Oh my God, I just love it. Yeah, he is. And amazing. what does AJ teach? I know her name. Uh, she's the doctor in hospitality. Doctor, she has a doctor in hospitality. That's what she teaches I, at SU. I think she's hospitality and tourism, isn't yeah. she? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you spell her last name? Templeton. T -E -M -P. Yeah, because I know we've talked, but I forget where she. Yeah, she it. went to um, uh, Central Florida, I believe. No, yeah, she went to yeah, FAU. Yeah, that, um, UCF. There's so I think many she people did go to FAU. I don't think so. It's, it's a huge program. Hold on. All right, guys, enjoy Utah. Yeah, thanks, Sorry Peter. The Bahamas. Yeah, what's all right. We'll find our it's way okay. back there. It's kind of nice to be here, actually. It's true. <laughs> it's nice to be home. Can all you right, buy Peter. McAllen? Or only in certain... Oh, no, we can buy it. Well, not a good kind of mechanic. As long as you buy an appetizer. <laughs> yeah, <bye guys. laughs> See you, Peter. And that's a wrap on another episode of the Virtual GM Podcast brought to you by Vibrant Management. We hope you found today's insights valuable and that they'll help you make a real difference at your property. Remember, it's all about creating memorable guest experiences and running a successful hotel. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. Share our podcast with other hotel owners and GMs who could benefit. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Virtual GM Podcast for exclusive content and updates. We appreciate your support. And until next time, keep thriving and stay vibrant.